Hi, I'm Gary and this is episode 96 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at EV confusion. Stick with me. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that we're having a season-ending roundtable in a few weeks' time. I'm putting together the guest list now, so let me know if there's anyone you want me to invite, and even if not, what specific topics do you want us to chat about? Our main topic of discussion today is EV confusion. Time for a story. Are you sitting comfortably? Well, I'll begin. My next-door neighbour, hi Greg, knows that I have an EV, and we chat about it quite regularly, and he currently drives an internal combustion engine vehicle. The other day I was at work when I got a message from Greg. Hi Gary, I've been loaned a plug-in hybrid for the day as my car's having a service. Can I use your cable to plug in and get a charge as they haven't supplied me with one? Well, let's ignore the fact that he was loaned a car that can be plugged in without an actual cable with which to plug in and move on. He asked a perfectly normal question. He knows I charge my EV at home from time to time. Not every day, obviously, I don't need to. And he's seen the cable hanging outside the garage door. He also knows I'm on a time-of-day tariff and he wanted to make sure I wasn't at peak pricing if he used it. Unfortunately, I had to say no to him. Not because I'm a tight-fisted Yorkshireman who doesn't want anyone else leeching off his electricity supply, although there is that, but because the cable I have is what's known as a Type 1 connector. This was a precursor to the current Type 2 AC connector that almost every EV currently uses. Type 1 and Type 2 are, obviously, not compatible. Because this is the world of standards, and the beauty of standards is that there are so many of them. There's a link in the show notes to an XKCD cartoon about this subject. If you've ever worked anywhere that uses standards, it will certainly strike a note. Greg's reply was a very telling one. He said, Amazing, even in three years, standards are changed. It got me thinking about a couple of related issues around this whole area, and I want to chat with you about those today. One issue is exactly what Greg discovered changing standards. This is particularly relevant when looking at the current GridServe slash electric highway rollout with the CCS and Chadamo cables. But I want to start by talking about a subject on which we've pontificated once or twice already on this podcast, that of education. How was Greg to know what cable his plug-in hybrid needed? How is somebody who has literally just taken delivery of their new EV supposed to know about the different cables that are needed and why they're different? We've done a basics episode on cables already, and the link to that uh, episode is in the show notes. In response to people saying, I'm new to EVs, I'm wondering if someone can explain about... Fill in the blanks. And in that episode, I referred to a Type 2 cable as being the sort that generally comes with your car. I said that has a circular profile with a slightly flattened part on top. The Type 1 is more oval shaped with no flattened section anywhere. Obviously, I was generalising about the fact that all EVs have a Type 2 cable, because clearly mine didn't. But what this has identified is the fact that the process of charging an EV has become slightly more complicated for someone like Greg, who I'm trying to get into an EV at the earliest opportunity. He now has another argument to put forward about how it's more complicated with EVs than with fossil fuel cars. There isn't really a similar situation with fossil fuels other than the whole petrol and diesel situation. In the UK, approximately 150,000 people every year put the wrong fuel in their cars, or one every three minutes according to the AA. This is, ironically, due to the fact that the nozzles are so similar, it's easy to mistake the two. Uh, Incidentally, if you put diesel in a petrol engine, it's a problem, but not a huge one. If you put petrol in a diesel engine, that can be quite expensive to fix. In another irony, there's no way you can misfuel an EV. It only takes electricity, and slow charging, fast charging, rapid charging, and high power charging all provide the same basic product. 
electrons. But within this irony is a little home truth about EVs. The system is open to misunderstandings, misinterpretations and problems. The other aspect of this is the competing standard section and this was brought clearly into focus over recent weeks with the takeover of the electric highway by GridServe and the rollout of the new ABB chargers to replace existing motorway service area units. The rollout has been progressing quite quickly with anything between 5 and 10 locations being swapped over in any given week. But what it's brought up is the fact that the connectors being installed have been changed. It's not like for like. For context and a bit of history, the electric highway DBT chargers that were initially installed by Ecotristi were supplied via Nissan and they did this because the Nissan Leaf was one of the best selling electric cars in the UK at the time and it ran off the Chadamo type connector. As a result of this, the units supplied tended to have one or more Chadamo connectors. Some units might have had a CCS connector as well. Some locations didn't even have a CCS connector at all. If you had a Nissan Leaf or other Chadamo compatible vehicles such as the Kia Soul, the DBT units usually worked brilliant for you. If you had a CCS vehicle, it became an issue. Social media was full of complaints about people who turned up to a motorway service area in their BMW i3 and it didn't have a connector. Or when the CCS connectors were finally brought in, they turned up and the connector wouldn't perform a handshake with the car so they couldn't charge. Now that GridServe have taken over, they're putting in the new ABB units and surprise, surprise, things have changed. For locations which have two ABB units installed, there will generally tend to be three connectors with CCS cables and one with a Chadamo connector. And that's a complete turnaround from how it used to be. Naturally, Leaf owners are up in arms about this. They feel that the ratio is wrong and that they're being left behind. Ironically, they're now in pretty much the same situation the CCS-based vehicles were when the electric highway was first started. An irony not lost on many i3 drivers, I imagine. GridServe have addressed this in a blog post they put out this week, and the link's in the show notes. What they're basically saying is that the number of charges taken by Chadamo vehicles is somewhere in the region of 25% of all charges. They're therefore looking at implementing one in four of their connectors as a Chadamo standard. For two unit locations such as Cheveley and Toddington, this means four connectors split to three CCS and one Chadamo. In some places such as Beaconsfield, where there are three units, the split is one Chadamo and five CCS, which is a one to six split or 17%. They're going to address this by swapping out the cables in one of the units to bring it up to a ratio of one to three, i.e. 33%. However, it's still an issue not an issue of one standard over another, or even an issue of the right proportions of connectors to implement. Personally, I believe that GridServer pegged the ratio correctly. There are other rela issues related to this, but the ratio isn't one of them. No, the issue is complexity. If we're wanting more and more members of the general public to adopt EVs and come aboard, issues like this have to be kept to a minimum. Whenever I'm looking at how this will work, I always think of how my mother would deal with it. She's 80 years of age and she's driven a car since she was about 18. She's a good, careful driver and she knows her way around an internal combustion engine vehicle. But I imagine what the situation would be if she was forced to try and navigate the world of electric vehicle charging. Of course she's seen me charging my EV with a granny cable at her house when I visit. She understands the concept of plugging the car into the power source. That's not the issue. The issue is the same one Greg experienced, which is that all cars should have a single cable with which to charge and a standard connector. I hate to bring our good friends the Tesla fanboys into this conversation, but this is something that Tesla sorted out from the get-go. You want to charge your Tesla? Plug in a Tesla home charger unit or a Tesla granny cable or a Tesla supercharger cable? 
and they all fit into the same charge socket. No issue, no different standards or different connectors. Just plug and go. Sure, they extended the standards by introducing CCS charges in Europe for the Model 3, but again, the setup is so simple, there's very little chance of being confused. If you pull up a supercharger and it has two cables, both will fit your Tesla. If you pull up at an Ionity unit with CCS, it will fit your Tesla. If you drop in at a place with destination charging, it will fit your Tesla. It's virtually foolproof. But the experience with Greg has indicated that this isn't the case for other vehicles. Although ironically the Type 1 Connect drive on my soul is not compatible with a Tesla, go figure. My mother would have issues at some of the charging units in the UK if she had the choice of cables and connectors to use. But it's not because she's older and something of a Luddite when it comes to EVs. Maddie Moat, children's TV presenter and EV advocate, also hit the same problem when she got her first EV. She plugged the e-Nero into a rapid charger using the AC adapter instead of the CCS adapter because the extra connector section was covered by the plastic protector and she didn't realise. She left the car charging for an hour and it added less than 30 miles of range. It's things like that that need to be fixed as soon as possible. Personally, I'm really not bothered what the final chosen standard is. Like VHS and Betamax, I'm thinking that the better standard is going to be pushed out in favour of the more popular one, as Dr Ewan McTurk said on this show recently. Well, I think the first thing to kind of touch on there is the the format war, uh, CCS versus Charmo versus AC rapid charging. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe that the wrong format is winning. Uh, CCS is being foisted upon us despite the fact that it's not currently able to do vehicle-to-grid charging and despite the fact that the protocol is so loosely defined that you've seen the likes of the Jaguar I-Pace and even Teslas having compatibility issues with older charge points. Um, this is because unlike Charmo that is rigorously defined, CCS is kind of like they've given you the ingredients to make a cake but not the recipe. And that's why so many manufacturers who are new to EVs or new to CCS have messed up. What I want, though, is something that is as foolproof as possible. That way, when my neighbour brings a car home and wants to plug it into my supply, I'll be able to say, of course you can. The auctionman in me will then add, and here's what it will cost you. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. It's no secret that wind power, especially offshore wind power, is one of the cheapest sources of electricity on the planet. So news comes that Hecate Independent Power, HIP, has announced it will build an enormous $30 billion offshore wind project off the coast of Iceland that will power the UK using long subsea cables. The project will consist of 10 gigawatts of fixed and floating wind turbines. They'll be connected to the UK by long-length, high-capacity, high-voltage, direct-current submarine power transmission cables. The cables will be manufactured in the UK at a £200 million bespoke power cable plant that will be built at a port in northeast England. HIP has made four connection applications for an initial 4 gigawatts of grid connections, 1 gigawatt per wind farm, to the UK's national grid. This project is calling the farms wind pods, and each of the four pods will be in a different location in the North Atlantic with its own subsea cable. The wind pods will not be connected to the Icelandic grid. So, lots of investment in cheap energy outside the existing North Sea and Irish Sea locations, and upwards of 15,000 jobs to be created. Excellent. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at musingsev. If you want to support the podcast and the associated newsletter, you are subscribed to the newsletter, aren't you? Please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. 
if you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Got Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review. Five, five stars if possible, you know, but it's entirely up to you because this helps raise vi- visibility and it extends our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingsEV with the words EV confusion. Hashtag if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. As a big gaming fan, he bought Death Stranding the day it was released. Played it for hours until he hit a section that's almost impassable. All the clues are there. He just can't seem to cross that final bridge and make the next level. It's kind of like they've given you the ingredients to make a cake, but not the recipe. Thank you again for listening. Bye-bye.